Hi, this is Dr. Ann Bird, and I welcome you to the Ms. Chiefs podcast. We really hope you like what you hear today and that if you do, you'll both give us an authentic review and subscribe. We can't wait to hear from you at MsChiefs.com, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, Jen, let's go to work. I'm Ann Bird. I'm Jennifer Mistel-Kashinajad. And together we are... Ms. Chiefs. And the topic of today's podcast is beliefs and the power of beliefs, ours as well as other people's. Um, And today's really kind of starts with a story. So, Jen, set it up. So, a a long-time childhood friend of mine posted um, a video of the two of us when we were, say, three and one. Um, Essentially... I was uh, sitting at a lake that we frequented um, when I was young, and I was sitting on some stairs, and I was enjoying a piece of watermelon, which I still like to this day, and he toddled over to me, um, and there's no, there's no uh, sound in the video, because it's eons ago, uh, but essentially looked like he might be interested in my watermelon, and I get up and I feel like I graciously offer him some of the watermelon and it's very sweet. And, um, you know, it takes you back to kind of like your, your core truth of who you are. And it's interesting to see that perspective of yourself, um, say 45 years later. Yeah. So this video is, gets posted on Facebook last night. It's absolutely adorable. You know, these two little kids, the summer season, the watermelon, the sharing, I mean, it's just absolutely um, the sweetest thing ever. And and then the Facebook posting starts, right? <laughs> people start, you know, people start uh, sharing their opinions. So in our cognitive behavioral um, self-coaching model, the video that's posted on Facebook is the activating event, right. right? That's the neutral thing that happens. It's just this adorable kid video. Um, and then people start posting their beliefs about it. Right. Um, I post and I say, oh, my goodness, you know, I see your son so much in you. And I also see that you still do this. You still sit that way. Right. Like with your heel all jacked up. Um, But other people post other things. What do they say? Um, Yeah, it was more less what they posted, but more the conversation that we had about it, about how, um, you know, oh, I, I was so eager to push this watermelon on um, the little guy. And, um, I was like, no, you'll really like it. Take it, take it. Um, and I didn't see that at all. Um, so it's, that was a dear friend's point of view, a dear friend. And it, and it was not intended, um, negative in any way. I think that she was explaining that, um, you know, I'm still the same today, the same helpful, the same overly helpful person. Um, and I thought that was really interesting um, because I, when I looked at that video with that perception, um, didn't find the truth in that. So your point is your friend who knows you well mm-hmm. saw something in that childhood story that wasn't didn't wasn't what you saw at all. Right. I think it's I think it's a um, projecting what you know me to be today or what I allow you to see of me today. Um, onto something that really wasn't even present in the video. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. Sure. Right. When you talk about allowing people to see, what what does that mean? 
So I think what happens over time, I think we have our core truth and our core self. And I think there are events that happen along the way in our life to get us to 50 years old, from three years old, start to form what you allow people to see in you. And I know that's very true for myself. So um, I think that the core intent in your actions and the way that you do things are your truth. Um, but I think that the way you mask those um, things outwardly or how you um, uh, respond to things as you go on, you start to create layers that maybe protect your vulnerability. Okay, so you talk about seeing in, seeing in that three-year-old little girl your truth, right? right. What are, are, Can you kind of look across over the path of your life to say these are key things that happened that made you go further inside, like protect her more? Like what is it that happened over the course of your life that made you be show something different to the outside world? Uh, for sure. So um, I think one of the biggest events of my life that started to um, build those walls um, and, and maybe uh, hurt some of the confidence that you have when you're young and you don't know any better um, is, was sixth grade. I went through a very difficult social time um, with friends, with a friend group. Um, I would say now looking back on it, it was a bullying event. Um, and, I, you know, to this, to this day now, I'm, I'm friends with those people on Facebook and it all presents very well and kind. And I don't believe their intentions in sixth grade as an adult would have ever been to um, hurt me in the way um, that actually I was hurt. I would say damaged. And so I think what happens in a situation like that is you are thrust into... Um, growing up and building walls and um, and you start to put layers on that um, protect you and protect your vulnerability. Well, your sixth grade self, right? You're 11, let's call it 11, 12 years old in yeah. America. Um, your sixth grade self only has the ability to deal with stuff from a sixth grade frame of mind, right? So... Um, you're, we're going to use language bullying here, right? Like that's the right language to use. You were bullied in sixth grade. Yes. Would these other girls think that they had been bullying you? Do you think if you asked the question and said, Hey, do you remember bullying me in sixth grade? What would their answer be? Um, I think if they're being honest, I think they know. Um, I don't know what their answer would be. I've never had that conversation. Um, but I think that their truth, they know. Now the reasons behind it, we differ and there's probably information within that that I have no idea about, right? What led them to that situation, the insecurities maybe they had, I, I'm not sure. But I think if they're honest that, yes, I think we could all agree that it was a bullying situation. Okay, so bullied at age 11, 12, um, super serious sort of long-term implications. How do you address your 11-year-old self now with your 50-year-old grown-up knowledge, intellect, mom of kids who have already been that age. Like, what's your point of view on, uh, you know, sixth grade bullying now? So I'm hypersensitive. Um, I would say in some situations overreactionary um, for others. So seeing kids on my hockey team, uh, seeing kids on the swim team, 
seen my own child um, in certain situations. I, I think he would even tell you that I overreact. And I think that is the strength I drew from it is how I project um, those situations as it pertains to others. On myself, um, it's a completely opposite story. On myself, I self-doubt, I question, I overthink things that happen. I wonder if there's underlying messages. I protect, I close, I, you know. So I do all the negative things for myself still, but for others, I think I'm hypervigilant and um, reactionary. Have you recast this story for yourself? So have you kind of had the conversation with yourself where you're like, listen, these things happened in this social interaction when I was 11 or 12 years old. It was horrible at the time. What I know now is that I've learned from that. I've, I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. Like, have you been able to sort of recast that story in a positive frame? So years of coaching and trying to work through that, um, yes. So there is a logical side where I can have a conversation with myself and say, um, this is ridiculous, you know, and, and, and the, that's a long time ago and it does not have to frame who you are today. So I would say, yes, I've done a lot of work on that. However, I think when certain events pop up unexpected, um, I tend to still, depending on the situation, mostly, quite honestly, uh, with females, um, I find myself sometimes reacting in that way and having, as you will um, define and we'll get into more deeply later, um, an amygdala response, right? Protect, protect, protect. Get out of the situation, defer, you know. And so I think that I have work to do there and I think it just goes to the work we're trying to do for everybody is this is a continual growth, right? This is not a one and done. Coaching and changing our mindset takes a long, long time. Um, and so, yes, I think I'm better and can rationalize those fears and that feeling um, better than I have in the past. And I think calling them out and just being aware of them is a big part. But I think there are still instances where I, I go into, you know, that response of protect and get out. So last night then we get this video posted on Facebook Tell me how this does or doesn't connect back to sixth grade. So it's, oh, I think it definitely does. Um, in a way, I think that there is a perception, um, and, and this is how, this is where this instance took me, um, a little bit less than bullying because I didn't feel threatened in any way by my friend's comments. Um, I felt um, misunderstood. Mm. So... I see in that video um, a kindness, a willingness and wanting and a desire to please and help, mm -hmm. um, which I think is my truth and is where I think I come from in everything I do. I think as an adult, because of the um, behaviors and traits that I believe I've had to develop to be successful in my career, to overcome being a parent with a child with autism, all of these kind of um, armor, coats of armor that I've had to put on. 
I believe that that kindness and that, that core desire to help others sometimes comes across as pushy, bossy, controlling, um, opinionated, which I, I think are all true um, exteriorly, um, if that's a word. But I think internally that all of those things, my desire to take control, to make something happen, to complete a project in a certain way, is all my desire to please and help other people. Um, and so I think it was just an interesting thing for it to be so put in my face that way. And I say that in, in just a term, not a, something was shoved in my face negatively. Um, More of a, you had an awareness. That, yeah, it, yeah, that wow, that's how I'm coming across. And I, and I know that. I know people think I'm that person. But I think what they don't understand is where that comes from and the place that comes from. It doesn't come um, from trying to be the most important person in the room. It doesn't come from trying to be a control freak. It doesn't come um, from you know wanting to be the best and some kind of competition. It comes from a true desire and need to please, to help, um, and and so that's how it, that's how it kind of it manifests together. Um, obviously, for somebody very close to me and how they perceived that. Now, as we talked through that, and of course, I tried to get her to see a different perspective. She said, "I, I see that now. I see that my first inclination was to put my thought on it from knowing you today." Um, but when you look at the video, it, it isn't pushy. So, um, you know, this is a really interesting parallel to executive women at work, right? And the kinds of things people say about executive women, right? The words controlling, the words, you know, all of those sort of descriptors that you just used also can can show up in descriptions of women who have you know, achieved a lot of professional success, right? right? Not attractive words necessarily, right? Dep unless you, I mean, it depends on the value you attach to each of <laughs> those right. words. Um, but, uh, you know, do you think that these same sort of capabilities that kept you safe as a kid made you successful at work? Absolutely. Because I think there is, well, you know, I think successful at work, yes, damaging to my soul, Probably, and I think that's where a lot of us find ourselves in this um, decision making that we have to make. Okay, I got to sell my soul, right? What does that look like when you sell your soul? What does that mean? You did. You put the cover on of strength in situations that don't necessarily feel good to yourself, right? Like I don't want to go into the boardroom and be a bitch. Sorry, that's the term we use. I've even said it myself. I'm going to have to go in here and be a bitch today. I don't want to go in there and be that person. But in order for me to get the authority um, and come across um, as an authority on a certain top topic, I feel like women sometimes have to cover up and put on the armor of being a bitch. And that's unfortunate because I think I'm far more authentic and far more um, actually influential when I don't have to put that armor on. Um, and I can just be vulnerable. But those two don't match in the corporate world that often, or in my experience. And so I think we are forced to take on how we come across as passionate has to sometimes come across as forceful. 
So what's your advice today for women who are driving to the office, walking into the office, dialing into the office, going to be on a Zoom call and need to show up as a, you know, powerful, competent executive professional? Like what, do you have any words of wisdom for them today? Sure, I would say put 25% more of your truth. Just try, you know, 10%, 5%, whatever you were going to go in that room with your armor on, take one piece off and see what happens. And if nothing else, see if you feel better about the experience, right? It's scary, but I think the more we continue to cover up our true self, and the more we try and present ourselves um, in a way that's farther away from our truth of how we would normally go about something, we do more damage for ourselves than we do good for the business. And I think it's a balancing act. But I would say my one piece of advice would be to um, just try. Just try not to put on so much armor and see what comes. Yeah. I agree. I think you're right. And I think that's the challenge women really, you know, face is how to show up as their truth selves uh, in an environment that doesn't always reward it. That's right. Well, my take on this adorable baby video was that you were the sweetest, (laughs) cutest kid going. And uh, I'm really, really glad that it came up. And I'm glad that it brought this topic to the table because I think there's a lot to be uh, thought here and a lot to be understood. And I suspect you know, we're not the only people dealing with other people's thoughts um, and deciding how or whether we will subscribe to them That's right. or, or how we will uh, use them to sort of be evaluative of our own. Um, you know, I think having the intellectual ability to kind of consider what other people is think, are thinking and decide what we want to think for ourselves is, is the real truth. So um, that's all we know today. That's right. But you know, the great thing about this conversation is that it's such a great lead into all the things that we want to do with our membership um, and within the, the Miss, Miss Chief's um, website. So we'll be diving deeper um, into mindset and, and what we do with the stories that we tell ourselves and how we can start changing those stories um, and being able to present ourselves Um, in our own truth with confidence. Yeah. So um, as always, meet us back at MsChiefs.com for more information um, and more training and tools and everything you'll ever need to be your best self. Cheers. Have a great day.